lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golo Jr. That is me. With me, as always, a man who does not subscribe to Colin Cowherd's theory about leaders wearing backwards hats, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Thank you, Mike. I don't agree with a lot of Colin Cowherd says, even though he is a savant of, of many sorts. Colin's a very smart guy. I just enjoy and appreciate every time someone steps to the podium wearing a backwards hat and hearing Colin try to what about his way out of why that person doesn't fall into his view of that. It doesn't make a bunch of sense, but after he spends five to ten minutes explaining his thought process on it, you understand how he got there. That or you just get lost in the five to ten minutes. Either way, we've hopefully got more than five to ten minutes of great stuff today. Uh, As always, we appreciate you downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing wherever you get your podcast, leaving us a five-star rating and a review, and checking us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Got a good one for you today. Christian Winfield, Nets and NBA reporter at the New York Daily News, going to stop by and help us unpack plenty of stuff going on in Nets country. Um, We'll also take a look at, I think, my least popular sports take of all time, pretty consistently. Um, it's a bad one. But Brandon, before we get to that, um, this is like a long tease toward tomorrow's podcast as you and I have just spent the last probably 30 minutes completely derailed by some Twitter user's girlfriend's very racist list of quarterback handsomeness in the NFL. <laughs> yes, but uh, as racist as the list is, thought-provoking and, and led us to think about who are our top most handsome quarterbacks in the NFL? We spent, like you said, about 30 minutes on it, and it, it was. I, it pains me that it's not going to be in this podcast, Mike, because I don't like wasting time, but I do think that we'll be at a 400 level tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think I want to give it because I'd like to give, if we're going to criticize this list, then I would like to give some version of a list of our own, at least a top 10. But at the same yes. time, looking at a list that starts with number one ranked Kirk Cousins – 
goes to Tom Brady, Mac Jones, Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, Zach Wilson, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Matthew Stafford, and Carson Wentz in the top 10. I can't quite put my finger on what's so messed up about this list, Brandon, but... uh, Sounds about white. Uh, but go ahead, continue. Let's talk about today's show. Uh, we will. I will. I do just want to say though, the one thing I realized in this exercise is one: we graduated a lot of handsome quarterbacks out of the league. You and I referenced Alex yeah, Smith and the perennial number one for about the last decade in Cam Newton, who's been got oh his jer- my gosh. got his jersey retired, hanging in the rafters of handsome NFL quarterback. Yeah, no, and uh, well, this may be he may be uh, end up in the middle tier, but Philip Rivers. He wasn't. A, he wasn't a not. He wasn't not handsome. Philip Rivers seems like the predecessor of Josh Allen, where they both have kind of a little boy haircut and very okay, like yes. cherub like faces. So I yes, think they're okay, very cherub. yeah, very similar there. The biggest revelation for me is I think a very very real top five candidate for me is Jalen Hurts. He is at 29 on yes. this list because every black quarterback in the NFL is in there from 22 on down. So you get what we're talking yes. about with this list and why we've got to address this. Jalen Hurts, though, presidential, uh, all of it there. Total package, top five, easy. 100% uh, has been for a very, very long time, ever since he was in Alabama. Uh, but I will say he is a good sample size of why tomorrow – I will make a distinction between smiling quarterbacks and non-smiling quarterbacks, Mike, because I do think it's a little bit of steroids when you get that little the smile and your teeth are perfect and you you spent the time and the money on the veneers. Like I think Jimmy G. <laughs> shout out to Joe Burrow. Shout out to Joe Burrow. I think Jimmy G. spends a little bit is a little bit high on people's list because of that cheshire cat smile like if we take him not smiling i feel like he's maybe middle of the pack not middle of the pack but like bottom of the top 15 honestly that applies to Kirk cousins way better without the smile also one Mm. of the only things this list got right ryan Tannehill at number five go to bat for him as a top five top 10 guy any day and twice on sunday also realized lamar jackson might have a giga chad chin very pronounced chin, very strong jaw. Ooh, I didn't know what that Giga Chad was, but I, th- I think it may be a ch- uh, Chip Skylark. You know, remember sh- uh, Shiny Teeth and Me? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I see. We're good. Uh, I see. The Crimson Chin. <laughs> All these things apply here. At Gojo Show on Twitter, I quote tweeted again just a very racially charged list of some guys' yeah. girlfriend's ranking of quarterbacks that we will address uh, with a meaningful top 10 tomorrow. But in the meantime, Brandon, um, speaking of Ryan Tannehill, we have Thursday night football coming up tonight, and the Packers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Titans. And I'm not sure what to do with that information because we saw the Packers last week and get a win over the Dallas Cowboys. Not a lot of people predicting that one. A lot of people, myself included, had sort of written the Packers off because every chance I had given them, they had spit back in my face. That game against the Lions after a little bit of life was shown against the Bills. But they went out and they dialed it back in around a rushing tack against around a rushing attack and they had one of those 200 200 games right 200 yards on the ground over 200 yards in the air predicated Mm -hmm. on the dallas cowboys having a really bad run defense brandon would you like to know where the tennessee titans run defense ranks i would love to know where the tennessee titans run defense ranks 
They are third in yards per rush allowed in the NFL. They are first in defensive rush success rate. They are first in rushing touchdowns allowed. They are first in DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. I can keep going, but you get the idea. They're, you know, middle of the pack pass defense, which again, in the NFL, I think the cardinal rule is really only don't be terrible at one thing. I think in general in football, not being terrible at one thing is usually a pretty good place to go. Yes, it's all about complimentary football. Uh, shout out to uh, John Harbaugh and the Ravens. But I I want you to tell me, speaking in the middle of the pack, where are the Packers at for rush offense? Do you have that readily available? I just I just wanted to get my mind wrapped around the, the juxtaposition of this Thursday night football matchup. Well, I mean, I think it also kind of changes a little bit lately, right? Because again, earlier in the season, it didn't feel like the Packers were as willing to lean in on that. In terms of yards per rush, Brandon, the Packers are seventh in football. So they're averaging just under five yards a carry right now. And I would say that jumps out even more in the last game. We talked about Elton Jenkins back at left guard next to David Bakhtiari, who's been back at left tackle. You get a little bit more hole on the offensive front, and that definitely helped out, and it was the difference there. It's also worth noting for the Titans, right now, uh, as of this podcast recording, Ben Jones, their center, was ruled out with a concussion. Amani Hooker, their safety, was ruled out with a shoulder injury. Randy Bullock, their kicker, ruled out with a right calf injury. And Bud Dupree, their outside linebacker, ruled out with a hip injury. So they're limping into this one, as is tradition hey. on Thursday Night Football. Their their uh, star tackle in the middle on defense is also questionable. Did not practice yesterday. Talking about Jeffrey Simons, Simmons. I mess his name up. One letter. Um, yeah, Brandon, I, I understand that. I just, at this point, if we're giving the benefit of the doubt to someone, I feel like Mike Vrabel's group has earned it, right? This is a Aaron Rod or a Chief, excuse me, Chiefs team. This is a Packers team that also very bad rush defense going up against Derek fucking Henry and a team that got a quarterback back under center who can do more than one thing. Like, they almost beat the Chiefs with Malik Willis under center, who, God love the young man, may at some point in his NFL career be a good quarterback. He's a young guy. We get all those things. They couldn't pass the ball in that offense when he was in there. It was fi- almost physically impossible for them. And when Ryan Tannehill came back, I was like, oh, okay, there's probably going to be a little uptick in Ryan Tannehill appreciation after what we saw in the last few games. Fair, fair. And I think that always happens, you know, the shiny new toy and like, okay, let's get get back to stability looking at you Colts and Matt Ryan. But uh, speaking of other other franchises and other teams, Mike, what the Packers did against the Cowboys, obviously it wasn't like a a barn burner or it wasn't like a, a, a just complete dominance. You may be talking about a different Packers team, and you may be talking about the I, – I, I can't get Aaron Rodgers saying after the postgame, we're not dead yet, out of my head. And I, and I think about traditionally who the Packers are and traditionally who the Titans are. And there's some teams, Mike, for some people and some fan bases that just are blind to the team's success. They can't get over that, that name and that number. But it, that's what it is for the Tennessee Titans, Mike. Like the Packers being – three-point favorites over a team that is clearly better than them on paper, I think is proof of this or maybe just proof of everyone else thinking like me and putting money towards the Packers. I think it's also proof of the fact that like injury stuff does matter and the Titans have already had to overcome so much of that this season on the defensive side of the football. Harold Landry being lost for the year. 
and on offense, Taylor Lewan being lost for the year already. Like, all that stuff's come up, but I don't know, man. I look at a season where running the football and stopping the run have suddenly become a little bit more important again based on how a lot of offenses have gone about doing their business, and the Titans do both of those things very well against a Packers team that calling them inconsistent is the most favorable measure of their season so far. Like, yes, in this last game... It all came together very well, right? They leaned into the rushing attack finally against a team that has shown they don't really have a good plan for stopping the run. Christian Watson finally made some plays and gave them a bit of a viable deep threat when Aaron Rodgers threw a couple balls, but it wasn't an overwhelming passing attack. I just wonder if in this game, it's not going to come as easy on the ground for them. They might still have some success because there are good players there, and A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are very good backs and on and on down the list, but eventually, it's going to be harder for them than it was against Dallas, and when that happens and they're forced to throw the ball more, yes, that is technically the more vulnerable part of the Titans' defense, but is this Packers uh, Packers passing attack ready to be a more consistent player full-time in this conversation? I don't know. At this point, I don't trust the Packers to be consistent, and that's why I would probably pick the Titans in this game. I like that, Mike, and I, I do think the smart money is to, to go with the Titans for this game, but I can't get Aaron Rodgers back-to-back MVP, and the Titans' deficiency is their pass defense. And I think Aaron Rodgers can expose that, especially with Christian Watson. Like, I do think that we're in a point in the season, that's what I was trying to say before, is that what we're seeing from these teams now may not be the anomalies. Maybe this is, I think, I'm thinking more so this is the teams working into their identity in November. I get it, but we're two weeks removed from them losing to the Lions. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. I can't forget the way that... Like I was full Tyra Banks. I trusted you. We were rooting for you in that game. And you know okay. how much that pained me is how pro-Lions we've been on this podcast. I was like, this is the Packers get-right game. We saw a little bit of life against Buffalo, and then they came out against a defense that had been letting everyone have anything they wanted, and they were like, nope, we'll throw the ball in the red zone and let some fun turnovers happen. And that's why I've got trust issues with this team. Right, rightfully so too, and and you got to look out for that turf uh, in in a Ford Field, Mike. Because I don't know if you saw recently, but Aaron Rodgers is coming for turf. He is uh, almost demanding that most NFL stadiums move to grass. He says it's safer and better. Oh, and I he's, think he's I think not he alone. Plays better on grass. Oh, I know everyone thinks that, but I think he plays better on grass, and uh, he tends to struggle on turf. So I think he's he's trying to get rid of the turf monster himself. Hey, grass closer to earth. His life source, man. In oh, tune with the vibrations. Yes. All that yes. turf, those rubber pellets, that hardness below him. No, can't live like oh. that. Speaking of this, and this may be off topic, it is off topic. Back in LA, obviously you're there now. Have you been doing some grounding, walking around with, with just barefoot around your neighborhood? Have you been doing any of that? No, there's concrete and like potentially broken glass over there. Absolutely not. I threw up out in front of my house on the concrete one night coming back home from a bar. I'm not walking around out there. <laughs> Other people might have done that. Okay, Mike. I, well, I recommend it. I recommend it one day. Just no shoes. Okay? No shoes. <laughs> I I will say, while we're talking about that, the other reason, there was a cement truck that lost its brakes going down the hill by my house and had to run into an empty building to stop itself from hurtling onto the beach. 
Are you? <laughs> I I only say that somewhat in jest because the drive. I went down and like walk like walked around there. The whole neighborhood was buzzing, and the driver of the truck was fine. Went up, you know, was taken to the hospital. Minor injuries. They said he's going to be fine, and the house was unoccupied at the time. But there was a cement truck just fired into the side of the house. So I did not do any grounding today. I did walking down there with shoes on to check out the situation. And and thank you, thank you, Mike. You're curious, George asked. I'm, I hope you hope you helped. Uh, I like to think I help with a positive attitude and good vibes in a situation <laughs> that everyone could have used some of that. But uh, Brandon, um, Back Titans, to football? Titans plus three and a half in this game. I, I I mean I think Titans outright in this game. Let's put it this way. If the Packers are looking to get people to buy back into them, not only as a team that might be able to sneak into the playoffs in an NFC where that wild card spot is probably going to be up for grabs, but if they want to believe them capable of a little bit more, winning a primetime game against a, a Titans team that right now has a lot of positive, like 6-3, and three, Mike Vrabel getting the credit for being in that Mike Tomlin mold of just finds ways to put together winning seasons every year, I think yeah, this would yeah. go a long way for them. Packers I, I agree but could you're talking about other people Mike I want to hear can you find it in yourself to articulate how the Packers win this game because it seems like like you're 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 thinking big picture of how possibly but I want to hear like what do you think how does it how does it unfold that the Packers actually beat the Titans well I th- I'm not picking them to I don't think they're going to like you can't even you can't even like muster up a, a way of how this uh, how the ball bounces in their way? I mean, yeah, like all of a sudden their passing attack becomes consistent. And what we saw last game from Christian Watson on four catches all of a sudden becomes a thing with regularity they can count on in that offense. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. You know, their, their rushing attack turns out to be not only good against a bad defense, but great against one that's been the best in the NFL at stopping the run and exploits the fact that maybe that side of the ball comes in banged up if Jeffrey Simmons ends up not playing in that go. game and they're down some guys. Like, that would be the way to go, and I'd imagine all of the injury on that front, a kicking injury, all these things probably lead to the home team getting that requisite three points that they're used to, unlike the Vikings, who are one-and-a-half-point dogs to the Cowboys this weekend at home <laughs> yeah that that is complete disrespect to Kirk Cousins Minnesota like all of it the the NFC uh the NFC North um but now I I'm doing advanced stats Mike or maybe I need to get uh, the people over at Amazon Prime on this I want I want to figure out Aaron Rodgers record in Al Michaels called games you know what? I'm sure we'll find out because one of Kirk Herbstreet's favorite questions in the booth is how many times <laughs> Al Michaels has called a game at X venue or involving Y player. So we will get the answer to that somewhere in the third quarter when Al Michaels is sick and tired of how inevitably bad the Thursday night football <laughs> game is. Al Michaels' complete disdain for everything about Thursday night football has been by far my favorite part of that night of the week this year. Oh, man. I just hope all those other people that are really excited at their opportunity to call games and be close to the action like that are learning from him in some way. You know what? Sometimes the check's just in the mail, man, and sometimes that's okay. Al Michaels is there to sound like football at a night and on a platform where some people might be looking at it a little leery, and he is there to get paid for it, and that is about it. 
At least, at least, at least we don't have the Broncos. At least we don't have the Broncos tonight. Amen, amen. I do believe. Um, Brandon, uh, the other interesting thing in sports yesterday, and again, we'll talk to Christian Winfield coming up here soon, who is, you know, boots on the ground, sees this team all the time, does a great job covering them for the New York Daily News. It always happens all at once with the Nets, right? Nothing can ever just be one thing with them on a day where the night before the Nets get destroyed. Like, the Kings put up 150 points on them, destroyed on the road. Okay. Just to be clear and to be specific, at one point in time in the second quarter, the game was tied 40 to 40. Since then, or from that point in time, I think the Kings went on a 24 to 2 run, and it was 153 points, just to be specific, because it was the most points that the Nets franchise has allowed. Ever? I, I, I think that I, I landed that plane. I think. <laughs> yeah, they, I think you nailed it. I think you, as allowed. I love you like sticking that like a gymnast. Like I, just, I can't move. I can't move. The Russian judge gave it an eight, but that's just because they're a hater. Um, no, Brandon. Yes. So that was how it went that night, and so we had that as the backdrop, and then the following day, we get a report coming out about Ben Simmons, that apparently there has been some growing frustration with Ben Simmons' on-court contributions and ability and availability for these games growing in that locker room. We get a Chris Haynes exclusive at Bleacher Report with Kevin Durant that apparently happened right after that game. Yeah, and also, when did Chris Haynes go to Bleacher Report? But go ahead. <laughs> I, said, I, I, said, I say that now because I mistakenly identified him still as Yahoo Sports when I talked to Christian in I mean, this interview. So, I mean, who among us, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Chris Haynes at Bleacher Report, apparently. Go off, King. But got the interview right after that game. Again, after that game, when Kevin Durant decided to come over there and start giving out quotes, um, two of which started making the rounds on the internet, Brandon. They got turned into the quote slab and just started getting tweeted without context. (laughs) One was, when we're all playing like shit, you know the one person they're going to look at. That's why I requested a trade this summer. And that was Kevin Durant after talking about this. How out of context is that? (laughs) Well, he said this as well. Look at our starting lineup. Edmund Summer, Royce Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there. I mean, and he's also been playing well, but uh, I have no issue, Mike, with him telling the truth in this part, in this uh, spot. Well, I do to an extent because, like, if you're those guys, that kind of sucks to hear, right? They know who they are. I get it. Do and, like, don't, and don't get me wrong. Kevin Durant in this article says, I'm having a ton of fun grinding with this group this year. I wish I was mic'd up more often so you guys could see and hear how much I'm having fun. Mm. Trying to balance out the scales of the universe, as he says, we're not going to win well. anything with these guys who are you know, sorry as hell on this team. But it's also like the truth everyone understands. The way this roster was built, it was supposed to be Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons being the tent poles that make this entire operation go. The other things that he said in there, and I think the things that are more interesting, because his assessment was correct. Whether or not we think that is good for someone in a leadership on that team position on that team to say, right. that's another story. And it kind of ties into this next part where he did give out the quote that said also, quote, 
I'm not a leader. What the fuck does that mean? A lot of people say I'm not a leader because I didn't tell Kyrie to get vaccinated. Come on. Or I didn't condemn Kyrie for leaving the team, going out and living his life. I'm not about to tell a grown-ass man what he can and can't do with his own life and dissect his views or how he thinks about shit. We can have a conversation and exchange perspectives on how I feel about a topic and how you feel on a topic, but everybody else doesn't need to know or hear about our conversations because we're grown-ass men. I don't operate like that. I said you do a lot of vigorous I, nodding. I mean, I said it before. I have no issue with him telling the truth in these spots and in these moments. Uh, do I have an issue with us talking about basketball before Christmas? Yes. Uh, but when you do, this is what this is what happens. <laughs> like this, like these, these teams aren't settled. They have no idea what's going on. Kevin Durant, like he said, asked for a trade for these reasons. The fact that we're hearing reports about people being frustrated with Ben Simmons and his availability. Hmm. Wasn't that the same thing that where when he was at before? Where was that? Oh, this this the Sixers? Like I, I, I have an issue with the the Nets having an issue with their issues. With their known issues? Well with the issues that they created for themselves. No, listen, uh, there is there is absolutely that. I, I I even look at that and go, all right, maybe at this point Ben Simmons is someone we just need to like counting on Ben Simmons to be some version of his old self at this point, given everything that's happened in the last two years, probably a fool's errand right now. Probably not something you should do, and that's about guarding expectations. But with that kind of money and what he was brought over there to do, players on that team might not feel that way. You've also got the reports that Kyrie Irving might be back on Sunday after his suspension, after tweeting out the link to an anti-Semitic video. But Brandon, the one thing I will say for Kevin Durant is he's absolutely right. He doesn't know us the conversations that have gone on inside that locker room. If that wants to stay between teammates, that's fine. But when he says, I didn't tell or I didn't, you know, condemn him for leaving the team, I'm not about to tell a grown ass man what he can and can't do with his own life. If you're comfortable with what Kyrie has told you behind closed doors, right? If he's given you a bunch of legitimate reasons for everything that's happened and you're Kevin Durant, you buy that. You say, you know what? I don't know the public anything. I'll take the shrapnel that comes along with that because I believe that I've been told something. That's fine. But if you disagree and you don't hold the person accountable, that's a form of leadership, right? Like holding someone accountable for actions that affect the team negatively is a form of leadership. I'm not saying it's the only form. You can lead plenty of ways, lead by examples, a real thing, all that stuff we hear about Kevin Durant, saying, I want to be coached hard, I want to practice hard. If that stuff helps trickle down to the team, that's what Jock Bond's doing, that's great. But holding people accountable when their behavior negatively affects the team is leadership. And so being criticized for that and then saying, yeah, I don't want to do that is kind of in a little way admitting but, that I'm not a leader in that way. No, I think it's it's proof that he's saying that you don't, y'all can't tell me how much I am or am not holding my teammates accountable because I don't give you guys that information and neither do my teammates. Well, that's fine. But also publicly when things look a certain way and you're not willing to come out and dispel that. And again, if you want to protect your team in that way and you think that's fine, great. He's just got to deal with the fact that I think people are going to assume certain things, especially when you don't come out and condemn the easy ones, right? Like Kevin Durant, not coming out, and you know, condemning the stuff there. It like, and it's not yeah. even condemning it. Like if he had just said what LeBron said, it's probably fine. I'm not envious. Well, I'm not envious of Kevin Durant in that situation because he's also got to go to work with Kyrie again at some point. And that True. already seems 
seems like it's a hard enough thing to do given the realities of this situation. And so I'm sure for Kevin Durant, there really is just a lot of him that's sick and tired of all this and wants to get back to playing basketball. The one thing I believe about Kevin Durant is he truly wants it to just be basketball. Like that guy seems to have displayed it every turn. I'm so sick of all this other stuff. I just want to hoop. And I genuinely believe so much of the frustration is born out of that. Yes, Mike. Yes. And I'm usually on Kevin Durant's side, but if he really just wanted to play basketball, he would be in Oakland with the Golden State Warriors. He would have stayed there and been there because that's the same thing I'm hearing from Ben Simmons, right? Ben Simmons is saying, don't get it twisted. I love basketball. I'm obsessed with the game. I love playing the game. I love being out there on the court. I don't love all the other shit that comes along with it. Okay. Well, if all those stuff comes along with it, you don't love that anymore. And maybe he never did. From from LSU to now, like he's always had an issue with the spotlight. If if it doesn't mean getting him invited to a, a Jenner Kardashian party, and maybe that's being too harsh, but I have a I have I have an issue with, like I said before, I have an issue with their issues, but they are them having an issue with their issues. But Kevin Durant made this problem because he recruited. Kyrie. He not only recruited Kyrie, he recruited James Harden, and they thought that it was all going to work out perfectly fine, and it can just be, all be about basketball, but it's never just about basketball with Kyrie. Yeah. It's never just about basketball with Ben Simmons, right? And Kevin Durant wants it to be all about basketball, but no one else lets it be all about basketball. So for him to keep bringing this up, it would be like me saying, like, if I was 6'4", I'd probably be dunking. A lot, a lot easier. Like it's, 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 it's fictional. Which, again, in its own way, leadership thing. So, uh, okay, yeah. Say, how do you lead? How do you lead? How do you lead that group, Mike? Like, that's what, that's but, what I'm trying to say. Like, your, your, that's that's your, what he's trying to lead Brandon, on the coaches. For. Your, your point is he had a hand in helping assemble that. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, kind of trapped yourself yeah. on that. Happy to help you out. Um, Nine seasons, Mike. You think you think he's you think he's wondering like. Isn't it weird to hear Kevin Durant complain in his ninth season the way LeBron's complaining in his 20th? It's just, there's just a little difference. I think, I just think, Brandon, the timing of all this was very interesting. And again, it all seems to happen all at once with the Nets. To try and clear up some of the picture around what's going on in Brooklyn, we are going to invite our friend and New York Daily News correspondent, cover, I should say, writer and reporter covering the Nets in the NBA at the Daily News, Christian Winfield, joining us next. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub, because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings, and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Appreciate the time, like I, I, of course, I figured. Man. I figured this would be a busy day, considering um, everything decided to happen all at once again for the Nets. Like, it happens well, like this are, every single time. Like they tanked my birthday because the birthday yes. weekend was when Kyrie decided to tweet out that link, and then Joe Sai came, and then you got all this shit with KD happening today. It's like, man, it never ends. But uh, is this really because the King? Easy. Is this really because the Kings are that good? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. High-powered <laughs> offense, baby. High-powered Kings offense. 153 points. 
crazy. Is that is that damn light beam coming out of the stadium that's thrown <laughs> off all the vibes right now? That's exactly in the what it building. is. Well, oh, I mean, like to, to start off, that was surprising in and of itself, right? Because you had rightly pointed out that since Jacques Vaughn took over, the Nets' defense had been improving for all the variables around there. They had kind of locked that down. So. Uh, what do you attribute the other night to? How does that happen when things have been trending in the right direction? Well, first and foremost, there's no type of like playing hard effort, any version of X's and O's that will compensate for not having a legitimate big man, right? And Nick Claxton is becoming that. But DeMontis Sabonis is a grown-ass man, right? Anthony Davis, grown-ass man. These are guys that are going to get into the paint. They're going to wreak havoc just by being strong, by being physical, by really just putting their shoulder into Nick's chest. And if Nick can't stop him, then who's next in line? Kevin Durant? You think Kevin Durant's going to have a better chance of stopping Sabonis or Anthony Davis than Nick Claxton? No. Ben Simmons? Maybe when he's fully healthy, but he's not fully healthy yet. So a lot of it is just roster-based, which is why you saw Kevin come out today and say, hey, you know, if you look at our starting five, I mean, of course we're not going to win very many games. And the other part of it is, you know, you rightfully have guys who are trying to figure out themselves, right? Ben Simmons comes in the game the other day, looks great, plays okay, plays 20 minutes, is only a minus three in a 32-point loss. I think that's a positive. Uh, but he still has to find his way off of not being a human dribble handoff, right? He just walks up the floor, hands off to his teammate, gets out of the way. That's gonna He's going to have to find some time there. And then you've got other guys. Joe Harris coming off an injury. Like he shot one for seven. Wasn't wasn't looking good. Royce O'Neal has been playing great, but you, you're asking Royce O'Neal now to play point guard and you're asking him to play, you know, on the wing. You're asking him to do a lot, whereas he's just one of those complimentary pieces. Edmund Sumner, a guy who hadn't played all of last year because of an Achilles injury, is stepping up, had 18 points. I bet he'll probably regress to the mean, too, because you're asking him to do too much. you got a lot of guys playing above their means right now, and I think that's what it is. It's, it's based on not having a Kyrie in the rotation, Ben Simmons not being 100%, and then having guys that are still coming off an of injury. You still got T.J. Warren, who last time we saw him, he was averaging 27 points in the bubble. He's still coming back from injury, right? So there's a lot of pieces that the Nets need to put together. And uh, we saw a lot of that on uh, the other night against Sacramento. You mentioned Kevin pointed that out. He did the interview with Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports after that game. Were you surprised by the timing of that at all? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit, right? Like, I guess, you know, the West Coast can be a hot a, a hotbed, right, for just all different types of media entities, right? So maybe they were just waiting for Kevin to come on that West Coast trip and they were just lurking. I wasn't there. I could just imagine all those reporters lurking in one of those little corridors waiting for Kevin to come by. Um, but, I mean, look at it. If you if you see where Ben Simmons – and this has been the problem. I mean, we won't call it a problem. Just the – we'll call it an issue, right? Issue is maybe a little bit lighter than problem. The issue of Ben Simmons is that, yes, he needs time to get right, and everybody understands that. But this team doesn't really have time, right? These guys have to get firing on all cylinders. And you think about it, they have to adjust to every time Ben Simmons takes a step in his rehab. Every time he's capable of doing a little bit more, now you're tasking him with him, you're tasking him with more responsibility. Now these guys have to adjust to now playing with a new version of Ben Simmons. There's a new version of Ben Simmons, it feels like, every week or two. So you have to time that properly. You're still, you don't have Kyrie, and there's reports now saying that he might come back on Sunday. I think that'll lift this team. But that little five-game stretch of defense we saw, I think that that was okay, but that's not sustainable, not with the pieces that you have. And we saw that with what the Kings did, right? We saw that with how the Lakers, who, I mean, the Lakers have been getting dawned by everybody, and they come out and get a win against the Nets. You know, if some of it boils down to personnel. That's why I don't think Sean Marks is done with this season in terms of making moves. Uh, and some of it just comes down to getting their guys healthy, right? I think once you get, once you get guys healthy and you get Kyrie back in the rotation, uh, I think things fall in place. 
So was that a frustrated Kevin Durant? Was that just an overly honest Kevin Durant? Because he referenced, this is why I asked for the trade this summer. He mentioned that he's having fun. He said, he's like, I wish you guys would mic me up more. There was that to kind of soften the blow on that. But this is a pretty frank assessment of this team from him at a moment where they were particularly vulnerable. Yeah, you know, uh, something he said is, you know, do I need to have more fluff pieces written about myself? And then what do we see today? A bunch of fluff pieces written on Kevin Durant, the strength of the man. Uh, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I guess frustrated is probably a word to go with because, I mean, this is, you know what I'm saying, he's only getting older, right? He, As much as he says he doesn't really care about legacy, he doesn't care about winning more championships, you know guys of his caliber want rings, right? Guys of his caliber don't want wasted seasons. The Nets have had two wasted seasons. The third one, Kevin Durant wasn't even playing, right? So now you're in year four of this whole situation. Of course, he's a little frustrated. Of course, he's frustrated that you have a coaching change this early into the season, that guys aren't healthy, that guys aren't on the same page. But what can he do about it besides talk to guys like Chris Haynes or maybe maybe he pulls me aside and maybe I get to write the fluff piece next time. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> there we go. We'll, we'll root for that one selfishly since we're a decidedly Christian Winfield podcast out here. Love but, to hear uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, all, all over that one. Um, let's talk about the – Ben Simmons portion of it because you mentioned it's kind of an adjustment to where he's at in the rehab process but you have some of the reports about a frustration inside that locker room with how that's coming along here how much do you buy of that that this maybe is part of the larger story about Ben Simmons over the last couple of years where this is a guy that's just still not in the place confidence wise as a basketball player to do the things this team needs him to do you know, that's a, that's a tough question. I can't really speak to the Ben Simmons that got here before Brooklyn, right? Like, I, I know what I saw on TV, and I know, you know, there's been opportunities where he just didn't attack the basket, and we've seen some of that here in Brooklyn. Um, and, but I, I think the most important thing for him here is, like, I'm seeing him, at least in the Sacramento game, he made a concerted effort to push that ball in transition and get to the rim. He had 11 points. And I know we're talking about Ben Simmons, right, and 11 points might not sound like a lot, but for Simmons, who had never really had a double-digit scoring game in a Nets jersey, they come out, and I'm talking about he's playing with a burst of energy. This is the second game in a row we've seen him play with, like, speed, real actual speed that you would think he should be showing. I think part of it is he's coming off, with, what is it, back surgery in the offseason. He just had fluid drained in his knee a couple of weeks ago. Like, I'm sure you could relate a little bit to that more than I can. Like, taking care of your body as a pro athlete, not easy. At the same time, you've got a guy like Kevin Durant who's saying, hey, if you're on the floor, you're ready to play. So it, it, there's, a, there's a fine line to walk there of, of pushing a guy to, to give you more than 100% while also managing his injury. And, and that's tough for Ben Simmons, but that's the hand he's dealt, right? He's here in Brooklyn. They need him to, to produce now. So th- there's going to be those moments until he can actually play like the Ben Simmons that we've seen in the past where these guys are going to be upset because he's not giving them what they need. At the end of the day, you have Kevin Durant, you have Kyrie Irving. If you don't have Ben Simmons uh, contributing to this roster in an impactful way, I don't know how far this can go. You mentioned the Kyrie Irving portion of this conversation reportedly could be back on Sunday and hearing a lot of stuff about how he's also reportedly kind of made this process his own. A lot of people you know, disagreeing about terms being dictated to him and the optics of how this looked from everything that you've heard in and around this, does this seem like a situation that it's going to be once he comes back, Hey, we've put this in the past. Has Kyrie really embraced that? Like, what have you heard if anything on this front? You know, I do think he's going to have to address the media at least one more time. 
and actually speak on some of it. Because the last time he spoke to the reporters, I mean, it was it was out of control. You had him saying, and just the questions were coming left and right. And I'm not sure if he was anticipating the line of questioning that reporters had from that day. Like he just was standing his ground. And then, as Josiah pointed out, he didn't actually apologize until after the Nets handed down the suspension. I, I think we're going to see Kyrie address the matter one more time. Just a hey, this is what I've come to learn. Uh, I think we're going to see him give a verbal apology instead of something that he posted on social media. And then I think after that, it's going to have to be something that we leave in the past because these guys, I mean, you look at their record. This is my team that's, what, six and nine at this point, barely. They they want to focus on getting wins on the basketball court. If Kyrie keeps dragging this thing out and doesn't say what he needs to say to move on, they're never going to move on from this. So I'm expecting Kyrie, once he plays or once he gets re reinstituted to the team, he's going to come out, make a statement, and he's going to have to say all the right things. Otherwise, we're going to be back at square one again. Like, I was going to say, if that doesn't happen, like, we've heard people talk about them blowing this up, moving this on. Have you gotten any indication that the Nets are even close to that line of thinking in their process about this team? Um. Well, well one thing you can point to is Jacques Vaughn getting an extra year on his contract, right? So Jacques Vaughn is filling in this season for Steve Nash, and then he has one more year on his contract after that. You know, when I see that, I'm thinking, okay, well, Jacques the guy who's going to work with this group, and if this team decides to go in a different direction, it'll be after that. This is me just speculating, just based on the deal that that we we've seen. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think that they can at this point, maybe even afford to blow it up the way people would like them to do. I think maybe more what you see is little micro moves, right? Like, do you see them engage with Indiana and try to get Miles Turner or Buddy Hield or maybe both, right? Do you see them engage with some of the overperforming teams? Utah. I'm sure Utah doesn't want to be one of the best teams in the Western Conference right now when they could be tanking for Victor Wembanyama, right? Like, at a certain point, some of these teams are going to start parceling off some of their better players so they can tank. Uh, I think the Nets are more likely to be active in that phase than actually trying to trade Kyrie and trade KD. Who knows? Maybe if Ben Simmons doesn't take a step forward, we might see his name start being floated in the train rumors as well. How has Jacques Vaughn handled all of this from what you've seen? This is obviously a guy who's been around and predates most of the people we're having this conversation about in the Nets organization, but a surprise move when we had heard Ime Udoka's name talked about so much. Yeah. Has that has that helped settle anything around this franchise from a noise standpoint at all? This week obviously maybe speaks to the counter of that already. Yeah, I, I think the noise factor would have only increased if you hire Ime Udoka, and I think Jacques Vaughn was the quiet safe decision right even he said to himself you know he wasn't his wife's first choice but they've been together 20 years so it could also work out with the nets right so you know I, I like that approach and as you saw in some of the reporting today kevin durant co-signed him kevin durant came out and explicitly said hey you know steve nash didn't necessarily push us in practice enough i wanted to work on certain drills he wanted to work on closeout drills or on just different in terms of shell defense he wanted to work on certain things and steve didn't do it and he said hey Jacques is doing that he's pushing all of us to be holding us accountable in practice so there's that level of it and then on top of that you can just see the difference in having a seasoned head coach that's been around the block multiple times versus having a guy who hasn't been around, who's just, you know, and all respect to Steve Nash for being a Hall of Fame point guard, right? But it's just a different animal. And we've seen it happen, right? We've seen Phil Jackson be one of the best head coaches in NBA history and just absolutely tank it as a general manager of the New York Knicks, right? Like, you, you see that it's not always apples to apples, and for Steve, it wasn't. 
uh, for Jacques, it, it just looks like it's a good fit. But at the same time, it's going to boil down to do these guys have the personnel to match up against certain teams? Like you're looking at Giannis, you're looking at Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, uh, the Celtics who are just all stocky and big aside from Jason Tate. I mean, you've got teams that you've got to deal with that have real size and the Nets can't even handle DeMontis Sabonis, right? So it's tough. Can they can they get size on their roster? That's one thing. I think Jacques is a great coach so far, but he can only do with what he has. Yeah, it's... As usual, the most interesting situation <laughs> in the NBA in the early going of the season. It's keeping Christian Winfield busy. I do have to ask, with all that in mind, have you been the last time we had you on here, you were showing off the bow that you just got. You oh, were out yeah. here, you had that thing on you. Have oh, you been yeah. able to go and get in the lab with that thing much with all this news going on? Absolutely. I have actually learned that and I'm not sure if I told you this last time, it's open carry for a, a bow and arrow in New York City. Right. So as soon as I like, I'm on like a little payment plan, I'm paying it off my, my mother. As soon as I finish paying off this bow and arrow, I'm going to the club, baby. I'm taking the <laughs> bow and arrow to the club. And I'm shutting shit down. It's over, man. I'm outside. Best believe if you roll on Christian Winfield in public, I got that. I got that. it on me. I got it there we go. Oh, you guys man. are all. You guys have all been warned. Uh, check out everything Christian Winfield is writing and doing, covering the Nets and the NBA over at the New York Daily News. Christian, always appreciate you giving us some time, man. Thank you. My God, I appreciate you having me every time, man. Thank you. It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness, getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with the championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year and is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Mike. Do you know what time it is? I do. I'm glad you started off very slow and melodic because oh, I wanted to show my range of genres today. Wow. Son, I know you don't want her to go, but someday you'll change your mind. And Johnny said, take Jimmy Johnson, take Tommy Thompson. Take my best friend, Bo. Take anybody you want. Hey. Long as she don't go, take any boy in the world. 
daddy, please. This, that, and the third. Johnny's daddy was taking him fishing when he was eight years old. On a day where we led with an extremely Caucasian-based internet ranking of handsome NFL quarterbacks. What a cream cheese intro. Uh, as always, download, subscribe, rate, review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review and tell Brandon what you think of his song choice for this, that, and the third. Uh, the three stories that we finish off every podcast with. Brandon, we talked yesterday off the top of the podcast about what happened at the University of Virginia, the tragic death of three Virginia football players in a shooting death returning from a field trip to Washington, D.C. We told you we would keep you updated on details as they emerge for this, and we can at least give you some of that around the planning at the University of Virginia and what the rest of their week is going to look like. And in the ACC, um, the ACC announced Wednesday that it's going to honor Virginia with league-wide initiatives this weekend at their home games. Um, There's going to be special helmet decals worn and designed by everyone in the conference. There'll be a moment of silence at all UVA home games, including the signage UVA strong uh, on the field, on signage around there, on the you know graphics and the billboards and everything associated with that. Again, in memory of Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry, who were tragically killed uh, Sunday night into Monday morning. Virginia also made the decision, Brandon, to not play their football game this weekend. They were set to play Coastal Carolina Carolina on Saturday and the reporting I saw said that that was a decision the players on the team came to and you know Tony Elliott their head coach fully supported that decision Jamie Chadwell and the folks over at Coastal Carolina have said and done all the right things in this process here there's going to be a memorial service for those three players at 330 at John Paul Jones Arena Instead of that game, there's been no decision on the final game of the season against Virginia Tech. And Brandon, I think to that point, we've talked about it on this podcast some before when a moment of tragedy is struck. Um, it was earlier this season. It was Brian Brzee lost his sister to cancer and right. said, I, I can't play in this game today. I, I, I cannot do that with what I am weathering right now. And I think for this group of young men to push back and say, no, like we hear all the time in sports, you know, people go out and play games in the face of loss, in the face of tragedy, and it gets woven into that narrative, and it's something that gets lionized so much in sports. This is just as brave and just as important to say, man, we are not capable of doing this with what we've weathered and how much more important us taking a moment to appreciate each other to honor and celebrate the the lives of these men while we mourn their loss and and what they meant to us that is so much more important than a football game and to have the maturity and wherewithal to put you know that entire tragedy and situation at the forefront of this and say we're just not capable of doing that could not have been an easy decision, but I, I you know, applaud them for doing whatever they need to do right now. Absolutely, Mike. I mean, you said it's just as brave. I think maybe it's more brave to, to kind of, and obviously everyone understands where they don't understand. Everyone 
empathizes and tries to understand where they're coming from, yeah. Mike. But I, I, the, the, to be able to stop the wheel of college football for whatever reason may be, uh, I applaud applaud them, and I and I hope the not playing in the game this Saturday w- will help them cope a little bit more. Yeah, give give them a chance. Like you said, stopping the wheel creates a habit in, in sports, in college yeah. football, and all these things, and so deep into the season you can get caught and like this jolted everyone and kind of reminds everyone of what's important in a a horrific way and in a way that you'd never want to happen. But these young men and the people on that staff and everyone around them, we've heard from Bronco Bronco Mendenhall, the former coach who knew these guys. It's just everyone still so jarred. I couldn't imagine trying to go out and play a football game in the wake of that. So again, thoughts and prayers to that team, to the Cavaliers community, to the entire you know Virginia family there in Charlottesville. We're thinking of all you guys throughout this weekend, and uh, you know that show of support from the rest of the ACC and the conference is a very nice gesture. So um, you know, Brandon, like we said. No easy transitions. We'll get to that yep. and just get to talking football this weekend. We got the news in the NFL that Taylor Heineke is set to start on Sunday instead of Carson Wentz. Um, now, Wash- uh, Ron Rivera came out and said that Wentz was cleared to start throwing. He has not yet been designated to return to practice, and so Taylor Heineke's going to get the start, which means that they get to keep pushing off, paying off that credit card bill by paying it on another credit card for just a little while longer here. And Mm. Brandon, very well-timed by them as Taylor Heineke comes off a weekend where we're all looking at what he went out there and produced and said, there's no way you can have Carson Wentz go back out there in the wake of that. I have to imagine they're just waiting for a week when Taylor Heineke slips up a little bit to be like, okay, we can do it now. Like, oh, now Carson's going to be healthy. Yes, Mike, but I think... You have to trust the team a little bit. And the way this team is rallying behind this quarterback, while they have a, a starter who has been successful in the league, and obviously uh, who, was, who was the starter before when they were like gassing up Heineke? I just feel like it, it wasn't as uh, reputable as, as Carson Wentz. Wasn't it Alex Smith? Who's the quarterback? Oh, yeah. <laughs> was it? I mean, yeah. And thank God for Alex Smith to know what he's doing, speaking out against the Washington Commanders and all the things he said. He's he's doing a really good job uh, speaking in front of Mike's. But, yeah, I I just feel like the team is behind Taylor Heineke in a way that it it probably hits morale in a little bit. No, no, quarterback, teams just want to win. And Carson Wentz can help you win, but I just like Taylor Heineke. I just like how he does it. Got that dog in him. That's the one thing you can consistently say about Taylor Heineke is he's just scrappy enough to get it done. And he's got just enough good throws in the bag to get it done until he doesn't. And then we'll uh, wait and revisit all this. But I'm kind of with everyone. I feel like you got to ride this thing until the wheels fall off. And then you sort of figure it out from there. Carson Wentz, we talked about the other day, too hot and cold. And right now, apparently too hurt to be back out there on the field. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn $5 into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. That means as we lurch towards March Madness, you can try and figure out who's going to win this whole thing. On the men's side, teams like UConn, Houston, and Purdue. On the women's side, South Carolina, Stanford, the Lady Irish in Notre Dame, or maybe Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes finally get over the hump. 
Make the decision for yourself and head over and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOJO when you do. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Brandon, let's get to the third, though, because the field in the Bills-Browns game this weekend sounds like it's going to be covered in snow. Um potentially up to four feet of snow this weekend. The National Weather Service wrote in a forecast on Wednesday morning that, quote, this will be the start of a prolonged lake effect snow event that will likely include paralyzing snowfall for Buffalo and Watertown areas late this week, late this week through the weekend. Um, Brandon, the Buffalo Bills, obviously no stranger to this. We've seen plenty of scenes over the years of them in massive snow games. I feel like it's a 2013 game against the Eagles with LaShawn McCoy that always sticks out in a lot of people's Ooh, heads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ooh. Which LaShawn McCoy with the Bills. <laughs> I think that, that was a time. Yeah. So Brandon, I think all of this leads me though to probably my least popular take, which is everyone looks at this game and says, Oh, this is football weather. Like, we get to go out there and we get to see football weather. And everyone goes mm-hmm. and plays in these whiteout conditions that look really good on TV. And it's football weather. Does it look good on fake TV? I mean, it kind of does. It's fun to watch at home, but as someone who grew up in Connecticut and played college football in Indiana, playing in the snow's not that sweet. And realistically, Brandon, football weather to me has to be north of like 45 degrees. But why? What is what? How is that? How how is that football weather? Because I am most comfortable that way. Like I don't want to go out there and be cold all the time. For what? So I can show people how tough I am. People call this football weather when they haven't actually played a ton in it. I get that there's some sickos who really love it, but going out there and playing in it, it's one thing, Brandon. Quite honestly, in high school and college, where most of it's already a shit show, like execution wise. In the NFL, think about this: you spend all week on a game plan. There are people in that building paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars to go and dissect the other team down to a granular level, and then devise a game plan to execute to perfection on. Sunday and then you go out there in four feet of snow and it's just going to be about whoever fucks up a punt snap or botches an extra point so bad that the other team scores see I'm glad that we're talking about this because this is the difference and this is why you hear this from your side of the ball offensive people who obsess over control and plans and execution of what you what we practice Y'all want everything to be perfect so y'all have no variables to uh, blame when things don't go the right way. Defense, we read and react, baby. Obviously, there's plays, there's stunts, there's things to do, but we read and react. It's how many people are going to be on the box, how many are you faking, you doing whatever. And I think defense are more prone to play well in inclement weather than offenses are, and that's why you hate them so clearly. Well, yeah, obviously, because offense requires precise execution and defense requires one guy out of 11 to make a play. Uh, okay. 
tell that uh, tell that to the Packers trying to tackle Derrick Henry today. But uh, yeah, I, I I think right as as the NFL has gone back to the running game and uh, passing yards are the worst that they've been in the NFL. Uh, in the history of the NFL, I think was the average uh, pass uh, pass yardage is like eleven yards. Shout out to Dan Orlovsky. I saw it on Twitter today. It was the low. It was the lowest since I think nineteen thirty three. I believe Dan said it was the year that they started having the playoffs. Okay, so with that, Mike, and I think this is an old take. It's football weather because back in the day, you just had to. Put your hand in the ground and grind out a win regardless of what it looked like. And, yes, I agree. The most people that say that uh, paralyzing snowfall is football weather has not played in it or been outside much in it. Right. But but as someone who has a safety in my youth league career from a very monsoon game, there's opportunities out there. Grab that net and catch that beautiful, very snowy butterfly out in the game this weekend <laughs> at Gojo Shaw on Twitter. Let me know how wrong you think I am. I understand I don't have a lot of friends on this take, and that's fine. I like a nice day anywhere from like 45 degrees up through like 72 degrees with a slight breeze where 72. I can warm up and I can get a little lather going, and then I get a breeze that cools everything in my tum. Who are you? Like, why do you want it to be so warm? That's what you're going to be doing. You're going to warm. You're going to warm. You're going to warm Fine. up. You know what? You don't even need Six, it. anywhere between forty-five and sixty-five. That's probably okay, the most you. comfortable range. Okay. I agree. Now you sound like a lion. There you go. Seventy-two sounds a little bit aggressive as someone that's living that currently yeah. right now. At Gojo Show on Twitter, let me know. We hope that this hasn't been too oppressive, and we hope you won't describe this as again paralyzing snowfall uh, listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well in the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Thanks so much. Enjoy Thursday Night Football. We'll talk to you tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.